0: And I won't turn back Because I want to see my Jesus someday Oh, goodbye world I say so long to you Goodbye pleasures of sin I say so long to you I've made up my mind to go God's way For the rest of my life of my mind go god's way for the rest of my life oh and born 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 again thank god i'm born again born 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 again thank god i'm born again born 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 again thank god i'm born again Thank God I'm born again. I've got my mind made up and I won't turn back cause I want to see my Jesus someday. Oh, I've got my mind made up and I won't turn back cause I want to see my Jesus Good to see every one of you, I see that we have a lot of visitors today, um, I just gotta say it's uh, really good to be back, I just uh, appreciate seeing all of your faces after being gone for three weeks, it's just uh, great to see each and every one of you, I pray this uh, service will just be a blessing This uh, that we can just enter in, if we could uh, turn the key to D and Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. something I will cast all of my care upon you amen this time uh i just would like to go to the lord in prayer after we speak about the needs um we've got a lot of people missing um as well as our pastor he's out uh visiting family We could just have Noah come up and pray for these needs for the service. Let's just bow our heads. Lord, we love you, Lord. Thank you for all you've done for us. We're just so grateful to be in your house today in the middle of the week. Many of us gone, we ask that you just be with them. It's just not the same without everyone here. Lord, we ask that you'll just be with our pastor as he's visiting family, bring him back safely. If there's any needs in someone's heart today, Lord, I ask that you will just speak to them. As the minister comes, just be with him, let him speak to us, move him out of the way so that you can just talk directly to us. We ask all this in your name, amen. If we could uh, go to the key of A, sing uh, How Great Is Our God. splendor of our King. Loved in majesty, let all the earth offering. Let's sing a, I Worship You. I worship you, Almighty God. There is none like giving away uh, the credenza in the Sunday school room. So if you are interested, just see uh, Brother Peter after service. Uh, Let's sing uh, uh, Falling in Love with Jesus in the key of F as uh, Brother Aaron makes his way. Falling in love with Jesus Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I've ever, ever done. the best. I'd ever rather be Falling in love
1: one more time. you tonight Lord we thank you father for you we love you because you first loved us Lord before there was a foundation of the world before we ever knew good or evil Lord you loved us and you wrote our names in the Lamb's book of life even David said how great are thy thoughts thought towards me that you wrote my members in your book and Lord you said I was continually before you we thank you tonight Lord That you love us and we know that this is the love that you have elected us. We pray tonight, Lord, that you, oh God, come in our midst speak to our hearts, Lord. Help those that are weary, Lord. Bless, Father, those that are feeble and heal those that are sick. We are asking, Lord, not because we are worthy, but we are trusting in the promise of Calvary. For we know, Lord Jesus Christ, that you you paid the price for all these things. And the prophet says, if he, Jesus Christ was here, he would say, I can't heal you. I've already paid for it already. We thank you, Father. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. We greet you tonight in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, trusting that you are doing great and uh, you are enjoying the summer heat. (laughs) Um, It's been very, very hot lately. Uh, Growing up, I thought America is cold. You know, in Africa, we call it uh, Kuchando, the cold land. So if I tell people that, you know, we are doing 90 degrees Fahrenheit, They get very, very surprised. But uh, we believe that all things work together for good. Um, Bring your greetings from Brother Barry and Sister uh, Becky, who are away in Newfoundland visiting family. It's been many, many years since they have visited the family up there, and we certainly miss them when they are away. I especially miss them when they are away. And uh, they were sending their greetings, and they miss each and every one of you. Praise God. Let's uh, stand to our feet to the reading of the word. Let's read Numbers chapter 13, verse 27 if you have it in your Bibles. Thank you so much, musicians. Really enjoying the, um, it's no longer the church of tomorrow, it's the church of today. Amen. Numbers 13, verse 27. The Bible says here, uh, I'm just going to read a portion, and then we can go back to to the other verses when you are seated down, 13, verse 17, and, um, no, verse 27, sorry. It says, and they told him and said, We we came unto the land with that thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land." And the cities are ward and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the, and the, and the Amorites. They all end with it, ites, 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 like websites and, and things like that. <laughs> dwell in mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea. And by the cost of Jordan, verse 30, which is our main inspiration, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Amen. You may be seated tonight. So uh, by the help of the Lord for a little time, tonight we want to talk about Caleb stilled the people. Uh, I want to greet brother, brother and sister Chris. Brother Chris is the, uh, father-in-law and mother-in-law. They are here. We want to greet them. God bless you so much, uh, brother Chris. Made sure to tell me that they are his in-laws, not outlaws. <laughs> Amen. So we we welcome them to the house of the Lord. Uh, So Caleb, so here the story, it starts from Numbers. They were in a place called Kadesh, Baniya. So they had come through their journey in the wilderness, and they were stopping at different places. And we could take a subject from the different places. One time I was preaching in the United Kingdom on on Gilgal, you know. So there are different places they stopped at Mara. They stopped at this place, and each place is very significant, it's like the, 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 the British when they were moving during the, the, the old days, they would set up a, a place and they would call it Fort Sorenso or Fort Victoria or Fort you know this, this and that. So you find that even in their journey, they had different places and each place was very significant. And I want to say that even in our own life, we have places that we go that are very significant to us. There are places where we pitch our tents sometimes for three days. There are places where we pitch our tents sometimes for one week. There are places where sometimes we pitch our tents for a year. Some of the places are high places. Some of the places are low places in our lives. Some of the places are cold places. Some of the places are hot places. Some are warm. There are different places, but they are all significant. They are all part of the journey. And our journey is definitely not a straight line. It's a journey of faith. Because remember, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we are on a journey. We are going somewhere. We are coming from somewhere, and we are going somewhere. So they came to the southeast part, which was called Kadesh Baniya, right? And, and this place, the prophet tells us, even as we read in history, that it used to be like a judgment seat of the world. Praise God. Now, now, now that how, how is that possible? Because you know, the old kingdoms, like they would set up, you know, a seat, like for example, we say Kremlin or we say Washington, right? It's it's, it's, a, it's symbolic of the of the of a superpower, of a great nation. So this place, it had, you know, springs, it had a river that had many springs, symbolizing, you know, the, the new heaven where there is the, the river of life, that is many springs representing the judgment seat. And there are many things that happened at Kardashibenia. And Kadesh Banea, the prophet, it tells us it's a time of decision. And many times in our life, we find ourselves in a place where we have to make certain decisions. And many good things happened at, at, at Kadesh Banea, but also many bad things happened at Kadesh Banea. And we're not going to go into details of all of them tonight. So, so one of the things that happened at Kadesh Banea is Moses sent out spies. So he, cho- he chose men from each tribe from the tribe of Judah, from the tribe of Reuben, from the tribe of Manasseh, from the tribe of, tribe of Issachar, Benjamin, and so on. And he, tro- he chose 12 men. And he told them to go into the land and to see that if indeed it's the land that the Lord promised. Praise be to God. They were not sent to give their own personal opinion. They were sent to confirm if it's indeed exactly what God promised. Because God, when he promises something, he always attaches evidence of his promise. All of God's promises have evidences. All of God's promises can be proven. Matter of fact, God proves his word. God proves each and every one of his promises. It may take some time, but every promise of God will come to pass. Amen. Amen. God says, "But the day that you eat this tree, you shall surely die. And sure enough, we surely died. Because God's word will be fulfilled. God's word, it's like the rain that from, from the heaven. The God's word, it's a seed. It will bring forth after of its own kind. So when these spies were sent, they saw the land. And they came with grapes. The grapes were so large that... Two people had, had, the prophet says, two people had to hold the staff that was carrying the bunch of grapes. That's how great this land was. But the spies, some of the, the, ten, the other ten spies, they focused on the negatives of the land. Right. They said, yeah, it's a great land for sure. You know, God, you said it's a great land. It, it is milk and honey. Well, that's true. But, that is where the problem starts. But, there yep. They are giants. They are Amalekites, they are Hittites, they've got six fingers, they are eight feet tall. Mm -hmm. Amen. And all these things to the natural, to the carnal man, they are facts. They are facts to the natural man. But you know what? God did not send them to do that. He sent them so that they can come back and say, This is what God promised. The land flows with milk and honey. The giant was a different issue altogether. And God was, and the report that they gave to the people, everyone became afraid. Because remember, these were, they were not a trained army. They were just vulnerable people. They were living in tents. They had like leather shoes. They, they had like, you know, just rugged clothes. They didn't have, you know, AR-15 rifles. They didn't have, you know, like, you know, drones and all the sophisticated stuff. They were just normal people like you and you and me. And I want to say that the church of God is made of normal people. We are never going to be sophisticated people because our trust is not in what we have, but our trust is in Jehovah. And when they saw that, they became terrified. But one thing I want to tell you is that God always has a witness. The Bible says that God will never leave the earth without a witness. There was a man who stood up. His name was Caleb. And Caleb was from the tribe of Judah. And he says, we are more than able to take the land. The other spies were looking at the circumstances. They were looking at the facts that were before them. But Caleb was looking at the promise of God. Caleb was looking by faith. The others were were looking by sight. And God doesn't want us to walk by sight, but he wants us to walk by faith. Anything that you can ask God for. It has these two sides. Whether you look by faith or you look by sight. You find people in the world today, uh, one time we were having a discussion with some, 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 some friends at work, and people said, I don't want to have children. You know what? They were describing the problems. They were describing the giants in the land. Oh, sometimes she, they will not listen to you. Oh, it's expensive. Oh, they need college. Oh, they need this. They were talking, they were focusing on the negatives, you know. But they were, they were asking me, I was like, oh, kids are so exciting, you know, when they chuckle, when they smile, when they break your favorite mug. And, <laughs> and, you, <are laughs> you know, I was, I was thinking about the positives. You know, they give you joy. When I'm away, my wife is not lonely. He's got the kids, to, you know, to talk to. It's, it's just so nice. Because it's God's promise, But these other guys, they were looking at the negatives. And you know what? The the only reason why they were looking at the negatives is because they didn't love them enough. If you love something enough, there's no amount of negative that can pull you down. There's no amount of negative. I say, okay, but you have a dog. You don't want children, but you have a dog. There's germs. There's all kinds of things. You know, there are many multiple negatives. He says, I can live with that. So let's just say you love dogs, but not kids. That's fine. Let's just put it that way. So these ones, they bought an evil report. And and God was not happy with that report. But Caleb, the Bible says that he had another spirit. You know, there are people that they always find a problem for every solution. And then there are people who find a solution for every problem. There are two kinds of people. But the, the Christian is always looking at the promise of God. I'm not talking about being overly optimistic. I'm talking about relying on God's providence. Amen. If you look at the at the at the negative, the Bible says, He that observes the wind can never plant. Yeah. If you are too calculative, you can never be a farmer. You plant your seed by faith. Yeah. There may be heat, they may be hell, they may be strong, but you know what? You plant your seed anyhow, and you trust in the Lord. But you, if you are so calculative, if you're a young man, if you have heard stories, you'll never get married because you get very scared. Oh, marriage is difficult. Oh, men are like this. Oh, women are like this. Don't worry about the giants of the land. You trust in the Lord and you walk by faith. Praise God. So, so, so Caleb, he still the people. And this is one thing that we need in this generation, the Holy Ghost, to steal our hearts. Because I feel like everything around us is meant to make us be afraid. You see, why is that in every newspaper article, everything is all negative? Why? Because the human being was made to react to negative things. That's the natural instinct of a human being. He's made to react because he's he's meant to survive. But the Holy Ghost is saying, peace be still. The Holy Ghost is saying, be still and know that I'm God. The Holy Ghost is saying, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Holy Ghost is saying, go this way, I will be with you. Lo, I am with you unto the end of the ages. It's very easy to look at our situation and we think we are hopeless. We are not hopeless. We are under the wings of Jehovah. Oh, how are we going to raise our children in this generation? We are going to raise them in the fear of God. How are we going to teach our children? Oh, look at what is happening. Oh, look at everything. I'm not worried about what is happening out there. I'm not worried about the legislation. I am looking at the promise of the Bible. When the enemy comes like a flood, God will raise the standard against him. No matter how evil it may be, there will be ministers that arise out of this generation. There will be some leaders. There will be a virtuous bride without spot or wrinkle. Hallelujah. That's what the promise says. But the devil does not want you to to think that. The devil wants you to worry about what is around you. He wants you to worry about, oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. Oh, look what what they are doing in this state. Oh, look at this legislation they are passing. All those things, is good to read about them. But don't put your mind to to those things. Put your mind on he that gave the promise. God would not have... Give it, put you in this generation if he didn't trust that you will make it through. Amen. Praise be to God. Amen. God knew that you were gonna make it, and He already predestinated you to make it. Amen. Romans chapter 8. He has predestinated unto the adoption of children. Amen. Already His plan was that we are going to overcome. God put us here to be overcomers. He is not experimenting to see, oh, maybe let's just see what comes out of it. He knows exactly that you are going to overcome because you are the seed of an overcomer. Amen. Praise be to God. And you have to trust in God. That's right. Don't be afraid. When you see everyone in the world, nobody is no longer wearing a long skirt. Don't be afraid. You stand with God. The Word of God has always been the Word of God. Through ages, through eternity, civilizations can change. Kingdoms may change, but the Word of God will remain the same. Amen. Praise be to God. The prophet says here, They went over in the promised land and came back with a bunch of grapes. That taken two men to pack. say, he said now, so the, that Israel will have the evidence before they even get into the promise. See. They have the evidence that God said it's a good land. And it's filled with milk and honey. It's a grand land. It's a good land. Now, all of this garlic, leek, whatever you got in here in Egypt. So God gave them an evidence. Now, the Holy Ghost is the earnest of our salvation. Divine healing is the earnest of our, our resurrection. So we have a religion that has been proven by God. that it is a true religion. Any other religion is based on philosophies. Islam is based on philosophies and debates. But Christianity has evidence. When you have the Holy Spirit, you have evidence that you are going into the afterlife. When you have the Holy Spirit, you have the evidence that you are not going to die. You have the evidence that if I go in the grave, I will rise up on the last day. You have the evidence of what you are believing That's why we say faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's something that you have. It's not something that you're hoping. It's something that you have in your hands. This is a substance, something that I'm holding. That's what faith is. So Christianity is based on evidence. John says that which our eyes have seen, which our hands have handled. This we proclaim unto you, the word that was in the beginning, even Jesus Christ. They were preaching something they saw with their eyes, something they handled with their hands. And that's exactly who we are today. We are not witnesses of something that we were told. If you are a Christian, you are a witness. You are a witness of something that you have witnessed physically, spiritually, something in your heart. You are witnessing that God is alive, Jesus Christ is alive. If someone asks you for the evidence of his resurrection, you can't go to Jerusalem and try start to big dig archaeology. The evidence of this is him living in your heart tonight. Yeah. And the evidence of the message of the hour is not in Jeffersonville. It's here tonight. The evidence of the message of the hour of Malachi 4, it is living in Shu and me. It's not historical, ecological things that we have to dig up. Amen. The Bible says, "Oh, taste and see that God is good." How blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God is the man who takes refuge in Him. You see, God is not afraid to try for you to try His religion. The reason why they went and they came with the grapes, God wanted them to see and taste the land that they were going into, and to have assurance that this is a good land. So God is not shy of being put to the test. He always wants you to taste. And some people, they walk away from Christ because they have never really tasted Christ. Because if you test Christ, you can never go back. You can never need anything else. You may never want anything else. You want Christ and him alone. Yeah, that's right. In our culture, we have a phrase which says, Rambawaraira. Don't reject something before you test it. <laughs> That is only to food. That's where it applies, nothing else. Because if you say, I don't want this, how do you know if you have never tasted it? But if you try something, like when they, uh, when I, when they tried uh, Mexican food with me the first time, uh, it, it was very strange. Looking at the ingredients, avocado and sour cream, said, how can this make a meal? And corn and rice and beans. Then I tried to say, ah, but it's actually good. I-, I think I can like this. I think I can live with this. Because I had tasted it. Yeah. I hope there's nobody who's, who's fasting here. Was it? <laughs> if you're fasting and somebody starts preaching about food, the devil can sneak right in there. <laughs> Amen. So these are the stages of our salvation. Christ came on the cross and he paid the price. And on the day of Pentecost He sent an earnest. Now, if you go if you buy a property or a house, if you haven't bought a property, you can ask someone who has bought a property, your mom and dad, or some of the brothers here whom I will not mention by name, you have to buy you have to pay what is called earnest earnest money. Now, this earnest money, is you are, you are, you are telling the, the seller that, hey, I am very, very interested in this property. I am sure that I am going to buy this property. To guarantee my promise, I'm not, I'm not just giving you my word to, to this. I'm just going to give you an evidence, an earnest money to prove that I am going to buy this property from sure. I am serious about this property. Here is the earnest money. That's what is called earnest. So the Holy Ghost was the earnest, is the earnest that God is saying, listen, I'm going to come and receive you unto myself. For you to be sure that I'm coming, I am giving you the token of the Holy Ghost. It's like if you find a a woman, a lady, and you love her, you say, oh, I love you, I'm going to marry you. Anyone can say that. But if you say, I'm going to go and meet your mom and dad, I'm giving you a ring of engagement. You are saying, I am making a sure commitment unto you. That cannot be changed or broken if you are a real man. Amen. If you are a real man. But if you break that, then you're not a real man. We're not talking about people like that. We're talking about the people of the Bible. Amen. So Christ, he came on the day of Pentecost and he gave the earnest. And then when he comes, that's why the seals are such a big deal. Because now he is coming to take, the, to take his claims that he purchased. And to take the claims, is actually it could be probably more important than actually the purchase. That's why the seals are such a big deal. But because it's Christ stepping out to take the book. To take his claims, he's redeemed. To take everything that he redeemed, the Jews, the 144,000, the foolish virgins, the, the wise virgins, the heavens everything that he purchased. He's coming to take it to himself. Yeah. It's the lamp that is coming to take everything that the devil had put his hands on. Yeah. That's what the seals is all about. That's what, why the angel was shouting, who is worthy to take the book? And we're like, what is the big deal about this? It's Christ take, coming to take his bride. Yeah. It's Christ coming to take his church. Yeah. Friends, the most important day of a bride is the day of the wedding. When he knows, you know what, my, 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 my fiance is coming to take me home. That's the, most, that's, that's the best day of her life. You ask every girl, she will tell you, Oh, my wedding day was perfect. It was great. We were dressed like this. Because you never forget that day. Because that's the day she comes to take, he comes to take you home. And that's the day that we are living, where Christ is taking, claiming is redeemed. It's also the day when Satan is also fully manifesting his colors amongst his people. That's why people now. You may think, oh, this is crazy. No, it's the seas that are fully manifesting themselves. We also as the church are fully manifesting ourselves. Amen. Let's continue reading here. So what is fear? Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that something or someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Now, fear is a sin because fear is a belief. You can never fear something unless you believe that it it will hurt you. How can you fear something unless you believe it? Think about it. If you fear ghosts, let's take for example, a hypothetical example. If you fear ghosts, you have to believe that they exist. Otherwise, how can you fear something that you don't know it exists? So for you to fear something, you have to have a strong belief in that in the ability of that thing to harm you. You have to have a strong faith in the ability of that thing to affect your life. So fear is perverted faith. Praise be to God. So these 10 spies, they were fearful. Oh, they are giants in the land. Oh, they are passing legislation. Oh, they are teaching our kids this in school. Oh, this is happening. Oh, Trump is going to lose. They're going to steal the election. I'm giving, you know, worldly examples. People get afraid. What are we going to do? Oh, Russia is going to do this until people live in constant fear. They, they're always shaking. You know, every time people are always thinking, oh, we're going to go into a recession. People are, are always reacting to things that may never even ever happen. You know, the last four quarters we have had GDP growth. And in the corporate world, we're like, oh, we're going to have a, a depression. Oh, we're going to have a depression. Oh, we're going to have a recession. And people were afraid. And it's good to plan, right? But sometimes it gives so much fear until we overreact. And we no longer look at the promise. Why? Because we believe in something to happen when it may not even happen. And, and people live constantly in fear. Oh, what if my daughter grows up and then she goes in the world? And then you you are always afraid. Don't be afraid. Just trust in the Lord. Oh, what if my son marries from the world and you are just panicking like that? And you are praying. You don't pray out of fear, you pray out of faith. You pray out of faith because fear does not move God. Faith moves God. Fear is no virtue. Faith has virtue. So Caleb had to steal the people and say, we are more than able to take this land. Listen, if you are told you're going to die tomorrow, if you are afraid, what will it benefit you? It only makes things worse. But if you are courageous and you start to thank God for the life that you have lived, and you start to thank God for the people that you are going to meet Oh, I'm going to meet Brother Hildenbrand. Oh, I'm going to meet Brother Branham. I'm going to meet this brother. I'm going to meet this sister. Then you are happy. But if you are afraid, you, are, you die before you die. Amen. The prophet says, so don't, so don't fear. Fear is of the devil. Everything Jesus would say, fear not, fear not constantly. Fear not, fear not. Is that right? Always fear not. Do you know why there is a proliferation of conspiracy theories? It's because people are so afraid. And because people are so afraid, they start to, to conceive things in their, in their minds. It's like if you're a little child and you are afraid of the dark. You start to see flying elephants in the night because of your mind. You start to see imaginary things. You start to see things that don't exist because you are afraid. And the reason why sometimes people are vulnerable to believe conspiracy theories and, and things like that is because they are so afraid. Oh, this is going to happen. Oh, you know, and, and people get into a corner. And it's a sin. And now the, the prophet says, now, don't, God don't want you to fear. He wants you to believe. So every one of you believe with one accord. One accord, every one of you. Amen. The Bible says here, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, so it's actually sin to be fearful. I'm not talking about anxiety. That's a different subject altogether. It could be, you know, a sickness that we can talk about in a different day. I'm talking about just the fear, the inability to trust God, like these ten spies, Oh, what if things go wrong? Oh, what if this doesn't happen? Until people become slaves to fear. You know, the, you know, you know fear will make you a slave. Right. Because every time you're constantly, I see it in Africa, because people grew up in, you know, African tradition and different things. People are afraid of witchcraft until it, it gets so crazy. People don't go to visit certain villages. Oh, I will be bewitched. People don't talk to certain people, oh, he's a witch. You know. Until people are always afraid. If they see a bird flying through their yard, oh, that's a bad omen. Oh, someone is trying to cast a spell. Until people live in constant fear and they become slaves to fear. Yeah. And God doesn't want us to be like that. Yeah. God wanted us to be free. He made us free and we should stay free. Yeah. We should believe God and trust in God even things until people even at work they can't be happy oh i, I believe i'm going to get laid off who told you you're going to get laid off i i, I believe i, I think I, I think ai is going to take our jobs who told you ai is going to take your job that's the same thing when internet came in 2000 you know in the early days oh the world is going to change we're going to lose all our jobs oh you know you know, and there's this fear mongering that happens, and you know, people start to to be afraid. You know, ah, everything's gonna crash. You shouldn't be afraid. Someone said, "Brother Aaron, you are in America, aren't you afraid of uh, the nuclear bomb?" I said, "I'm ready to go by nuclear bomb or by the rapture. I am ready to go." <laughs> I'm not afraid of Russia. I'm not going to be shaking when I see Vladimir Putin and say, "Oh, no, <laughs> I trust God. I believe God. God knows exactly what He's doing in my life. Joshua chapter one, verse nine. God says, "Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed." So God is commanding Joshua, "Don't be intimidated by the devil." For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's, that's what David had. He said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Yeah. Because thou art with me. If you are faith that God is with you, you are not afraid of anything. Until people, now we can talk about it retrospectively. I saw someone with the six masks, you know, during, during the COVID. And I saw that this is no longer... Safety. It is now fear and, and terror, and the Bible says, "Be be strong, do not be terrified or dismayed." I'm not saying don't put on your seat. You know, follow all the safety standards, right? But don't be terrified. Right. You know, just live a normal life. So God was commanding Joshua because Joshua was about to take the land, and I want you to know that the exodus, the exodus, what we call redemption, redemption is in two parts. It's coming out and getting into. So to come out of Egypt is one thing. To go into the promised land is another thing. So, so Joshua was supposed to get the children into the promises of the Holy Ghost. But, you know, sometimes people get afraid of the promise of God. And we are like Israel. We are the same thing. We come out of the denominations. We come out of the world. But we have to possess the land of the Holy Spirit. Because our redemption is not complete until we find our position, our place. Because we are redeemed for a purpose. And the prophet says anything that serves God's purpose shall come up in the resurrection. Salvation and redemption is tied to a purpose. Because he predestined it unto the adoption of children. Your salvation and your purpose are tied together. God is not... Hibazard. He is very, very precise. He knows how many Jews will be saved. He knows how many Gentiles. We say the last one, the last one, but he knows. He just didn't tell us, but he knows. He knows why he brought you here. He knows what, you want you, what he wants you to do. The moment you figure that out, the moment you make your life easy for yourself. Amen. So don't be afraid. In, get the inheritance, get in the land, get in the Holy Ghost, yeah. get in the promise. Take the promise of God and apply them in your life. Yeah. Yeah. But people become afraid of the Holy Ghost. They become afraid of the old-fashioned religion. They become afraid of the heartfelt religion. They want just a, a, a normal, general gospel like the, the secular world today. It's just it's just, 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 a, just, just, nice, just a nice <laughs> Walk, nothing, nothing complicated. Just, just a nice 20-minute sermon, and everybody's happy. We go home and yeah, we are happy. But you know what? God wants more than that. Amen. God wants a little more than that. He wants you to find your purpose, He wants you to find who you are, He wants you to be adopted in the land of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Chronicles chapter 8, verse 12. Let's read if you don't mind, let's turn to that scripture. These are some of the men that came to David. And I love these men. They always, you know, anoint my heart when I read about them. The Bible says that, and in verse 8 it says, and never, it says here, um, sorry, 1 Corinthians. I'm opening it second, but it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Bible says here, verse 8, and of the Gadites, these are, these are, the men that came to David at Ziklag, right? Uh, uh, they were, they, some of them were Gentiles, some of them were Jews, right? So a type of God's church is the, is the Gentiles and the Jews. And the and, and Bible says, and of the Gad, Gadites, they separated themselves unto David into the hold of the witness. Men of might and men of war fit for battle. And I want you to know that God's army that he has today, the bride... It's not weaklings, it's men of war, men that are fit for battle. And it's, our battle is not flesh and blood. Our battle is not carnal. Our battle is spiritual. Our battle is upon our knees. Our battle is with the sword of the Spirit. Our battle is taking a stand with the Bible. Amen. It says here, men of might, men of war, fit for battle. I mean, I could take a sermon that fit for battle. Just being fit for battle. God wants you to be fit for battle in Laodicea. Because whether you realize it or not, we are in a battle. If the devil isn't after you, he's already got you. We are fighting day and night. Praise God. That could handle the shield and buckler, whose faces were like the faces of lions. In other words, these were men that were bold, these were men that were fearless. And that's why the Bible says they had faces like lion, and they were swift as roars upon the mountain. You know, like those mountain gods, they were very fast. Ezra the first and Obadiah and the second and so on and so on. So these men, they 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 had faces of like lions, They were not afraid. They were warriors. They were champions. And the Bible talks about some of them. He says they could shoot the the, the bow on, with the left. And, and the right. In other words, there were people that were balanced. They had the left and they had the, the right. They had the doctrine. They had the conduct. They had the order. They believed the whole message. Amen. They were balanced. They were a balanced army. They were mighty men of war. Praise God. And these are the men that Christ is looking for. He's not going to take, you know, weaklings. People just are wondering, you know, what's going to happen. And the wind is just blowing. Trying to figure out what's going to happen throughout the day. No. God wants men that are mighty, men that are strong for the battle. Luke chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus Christ said to the church, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And you'll find that every time like an angel would visit you know, a person, he'd say, fear not. Fear not, it is I. Fear not, the Gabriel would say, fear not, because the fear is a demon. You know, it's a spirit. God, if the first thing, the first spirit that Christ addresses, that the Holy Spirit addresses when it visits you, is fear not. And then, when you will take away the fear, then God can speak to you. He says, "Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom." To give you the Holy Ghost. To give you good health. To give you joy. To give you peace. To give you long suffering. To give you a happy home. To give you a happy marriage. It's God's pleasure to give you the keys. I like the song that was written by Brother Paul Rader. Only Believe. One of the verses says, Fear not little flock, for he goes ahead. Your shepherd selected the path you must tread. The waters of Mara he will sweeten for you. He drank all the bitter in Gethsemane. Now, how many knows what happened at Mara? You know, the children of Israel, they had crossed the Red Sea. And they, after crossing the Red Sea, they were dancing. They were shouting. They were rejoicing. They were coming from, from the Red Sea camp. They were happy. But you know what? As always, soon after the camp, they ran into a problem. And sometimes we, when we are in church, when we are in camp, everything is Okay. You know, we are having the experience, we are enjoying the anointing, but we don't realize that soon after that, the devil is waiting outside. Soon after this service, the devil is waiting outside. Tomorrow at work, there will be emails that will be sent to you to try you, to prove you. So after they were dancing like that, they just, the Bible says that, you know, they walked for three days. And after three days, <laughs> they came to a place called Mara. And they, wanted, they were very thirsty, right? After the Red Sea dancing in the wilderness. And they, they tried to find water to drink. And guess what? The water was bitter. And they started murmuring, Moses, what is this? You know, just think about it. Three days ago, they were rejoicing. They were worshiping. They were praising God. They were a testimony. But they don't realize that just because you have a testimony today doesn't mean that you can't be tried next week. Just because you are rejoicing today doesn't mean you won't have trials tomorrow. Yes. You will have trials tomorrow. It could be today you are happy, you know, you just got a raise. Tomorrow you find a problem. You could be happy at home, or oh, this is our anniversary weekend. The next week you can have a challenge. The devil can just come right at your door. And they were saying, Moses, why did you waste the water? And you know what? It's a perfect type of Jesus Christ because they walked for three days, Right? Remember Jesus Christ he was in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. And when the waters were, 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 were bitter, God, Moses cried unto the Lord. And what did God t- tell Moses? He says, Find that tree, put it in the water, and it will be sweet. And what is that tree? Is the cross of Calvary. When you take that tree, the cross of Christ, and you put it in your situation, it sweetens your waters. When you take the cross of Calvary, you put it in your life, it sweetens your life. You say, Brother Aaron, I've been through a lot. Just put the cross of Christ. Just put the blood of Jesus Christ. You say, Brother Aaron, this happened to me when I was young. Just put the cross of Christ. He will sweeten your waters. Amen. Oh, brother, I went through this, I went through that. Just take the tree of life. Take Jesus Christ, put it there, and it's all sweet. That's what the prophet says. That's what the Bible says. In the power of decision, the prophet says, "Now notice they came to Cadiz Benea. Maybe tomorrow we might pick it up, if we go a little further with it, and you take the people over in the promised land and positionally place them." Now remember, Ephesians is our Joshua, and we have to be positionally placed. Notice they came to Kadesh Baniya, and Cadiz Baniya was one time the judgment seat of the world. Now, the the judgment seat that we have right now is the church of God. Because the Bible says in the book of Peter that judgment begins in the house of God. When you would walk in the tabernacle of Moses, the first thing you would find was the brazen altar which was judgment. And then there was a, a, a brazen lava, which they had water, where they were washing the sacrifices, which was representing the washing of the water of the word. So as the word is going forth, we are receiving our judgment. That's why we will not be judged with the world, because we are already judged in Christ. Yeah. By accepting the word, we have already accepted Christ's judgment. Yeah. Amen. He says, Kajesh Baniya is a place of judgment. It's a place where you have to take a decision. You judge yourself. You judge your actions. When when you you accept Christ, you are taking a cross. You are taking a judgment upon your life. And there there was many little springs come out of it, of of, of palm grove, like in the desert. What a beautiful place, the great judgment seat of heaven, where God's word is a law book and their judgment at the white throne of heaven. And every little spring represented a church, where the judgments of God go forth preaching judgments. So the prophet is saying that these springs of water that were at Kertis Baniat were representing churches. And in the churches that's where the judgments of God go out. So when we preach the gospel we try to bring a balance. Not every every some some services you walk out crying. Some services you go out rejoicing and dancing. Some services you just go out quiet sober. Because God you say you can't predict God. It cannot always be the same. And this is God's house. And here the prophet is saying, is the judgments of God going forth. The word of God preaching is the judgments of God. Remember, we told you that the Holy Ghost, he works in many different ways. We can't always be shouting all the time. We can't always be crying all the time. The Holy Ghost comes in different ways. And to Ezekiel, the Holy Ghost was 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 a will in the midst of a will. And to Moses, the Holy Ghost was a fire, a burning bush. Praise God. And to to John, the Holy Ghost was like a dove that came down from heaven. So the Holy Ghost reveals himself in different forms and different ways to different individuals. My experience is going to be different from your experience. But one thing for sure, our life has to be the same. Psalm 41, verse 3. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. Thou will make all his bed his bed in his sickness. Now, we read the story of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. He went to Capernaum. He went back to Capernaum, the city that he grew up in. And he was teaching. And people, they, they praised. You know, they were around him and they were, you know, in the house. They were everywhere where he was preaching. And there was a, there were four friends. Now, four represents redemption. How many knows that? Four is the number of redemption. Uh, uh, Sunday school, four is the number of redemption. Uh, is the number of rest. You know. It's like the fourth man in the fire. Praise God. I mean, we can talk about many things on the four, but you can, you can go and, and search from the, some of the tools that Brother Barry gave us, you know, the number four. But you have to know your numerology of the Bible. Seven is perfection, and so on. So these were four friends, and they wanted, and, and their, one of their one their fifth friend, he was paralyzed. Praise God. The, the Bible says that he was sick with palsy, and they heard that Jesus Christ was in Capernaum, and as soon as they heard that Jesus Christ was in Capernaum, they knew that we had to move, and this guy, he was on a stretcher. It was four of them, and he was the fifth one. And five represents grace. And they took their friend. And I want you to notice that these four guys, they probably pegged their friend everywhere. If they wanted to go and watch something and have a picnic, they would carry him. If they wanted to go out, they would carry him. If they wanted to visit a certain place, they would carry him. If they wanted to book airlines, they would have to look at, you know, if it's, if it's stretcher accessible. But when they heard that Jesus Christ was was there, they finally realized that this is a permanent solution. And I want to give it to you tonight that Jesus Christ, he gives you the permanent solution. Sometimes we pick our problems from one place to the other. Sometimes we pick our problems from this place to that place. Just take them to Jesus and he will give you a permanent solution. These people, they would not stop at anything. As soon as they realized that Jesus Christ was in town, they canceled all their program and they said, we are going to see Jesus. We are taking our friend to Jesus. And I want to tell you something. A true friend will take you to Jesus. A true father will take you to Jesus. A true mother will take you to Jesus. And a true preacher will take you to Jesus. He will not take you to himself. Because Paul says, we preach not ourselves but we preach Christ and him crucified. So they took him to Jesus, and they, when they, found, they, they finally got there, oh, the church was packed. The church was packed. Brother Tom was actually standing at the door to say, hey, we don't have any seats inside. And, you know, the, the, all, all the seats are full. And, you know, the people, someone was standing on the windows. It was really hot. There was no AC. It was a summertime in Jerusalem, probably. In but they had this friend who was sick. And all the windows, you know, everyone, the people were all over. And where Jesus Christ is, there's always commotion. You know, it's like in the days of the prophet. In the days of the prophet, people would take people from hospitals to bring them to church when the prophet was preaching. <laughs> but now people don't want to go. <laughs> they take people from church and we send them to hospitals. Now, hospitals are great. But I'm just showing you what happens when there's a revival. People were, being, were running away from hospitals, coming to church to get their healing. Right. Amen, So what did they do? They did not get discouraged. And I want to tell you that whenever you want to get to Jesus, you will find discouragements. You will find obstacles along the way. The moment you think upon your heart, "Oh, I want to take a fast today, I, wanna, I just want to concentrate, I want to read my Bible," there will always be obstacles. But these four friends, they were not deterred. They found a plan. They said, we're going to take the roof off of this house, and we're going to lay down our friends to this roof so that he could get to Jesus. And I want to tell you, no matter what you do, even if it means you have to break the windows, just get to Jesus. If you have to take the roof off, just get to Jesus. As long as you take your loved one to Jesus, you are completely fine. It's like Jacob of old. The prophet says, I don't care whether he got it by hook or cook, as long as he get the birth right. You have to have the Holy Ghost. If you have to be on the altar for five hours, if you have to be praying alone, just get the Holy Ghost. And sometimes we feel like if, if I start following Jesus Christ, everything becomes easy. Actually, obstacles will come. Because God wants to see if you really, really mean it, if you really, really, really love him. He says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, if we if want we to attend to it, and from the <coughs> Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, the Bible says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. And now, when, when, when Caleb says we are more than able to take the land, he was not necessarily saying, you know what, I'm just going to sit down and just let God do everything. no. He was actually holding his sword as he was saying those words. He was ready to fight the enemy. He was ready to meet the situation head on. And you know what? The kingdom of of heaven suffered violence and the violence shall take it by force. And sometimes we have to use violence, not natural violence, spiritual violence. Sometimes we have to fast. Sometimes we have to pray. Sometimes we have to beg to say, Lord, please save my kids. Lord, don't let them die. Like Auntie Jemima says, Brother Branham, I don't want him to get healed. I just don't want him to get lost. Just pray that he doesn't get lost. She said, I was praying all night and I saw you coming to me. She was desperate. She was persistent. She meant war. She wasn't relying on the preacher She wasn't relying on the pastor. She wasn't relying on the deacon. She was relying on her faith in the word of God, in the promise. She was just not looking at the church. Oh, you know what? If only I tell my pastor everything is okay. You have a part to play. You have a a prayer to make. Amen. Amen. And Christianity is, we are not Catholics. Everything is in the archbishop or the, the cardinal. Jesus Christ works with each and every one of us. You can't take your problems to the Lord in prayer and say, "Lord, look at this situation, Lord. What did Christ say about the unjust judge? Though I fear not God, nor regards man he said, men ought always to pray and not faint, always and to pray and not faint, but we no longer have that these days. We want everything handed down to us. Jesus Christ said, "I tell you that he will avenge them speedily, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith upon the earth? When, when Jesus Christ saw the men coming through the roof, he said, I have, he says, your-, your sins are forgiven. You are healed. He saw their faith. God wants to see your faith. Amen. Amen. God wants, the problem that we have is we are trying to show other people our faith. That doesn't help. Show God your faith. Don't show your husband your faith. Don't show your wife your faith. Don't show your pastor your faith. Don't show your neighbor. Show God your faith. Because eventually he is the one that is able to help you. If I see your faith, I'll just say, oh, this man has got great faith, but it won't help you. That's just my comment, but it won't save you. But if Christ sees your faith, he is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He is touched by your faith. Do you know that Jesus Christ never healed anyone? He says, your faith has healed you. Your faith heals you. The prophet says, the gift that God gave me is just to raise your faith. You just do discernment for two, three people. and, And as soon as people's faith rise, then they get their healing. So a gift is just to help you boost your faith. A gift is not the one that heals. A gift is just to help with your faith. And Jesus said, if you have a faith like the little master said, you can say to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the ocean. So God is looking for faith. He's not looking for people who give up and say, oh, we'll just see whenever he comes. He's looking for persistent mothers, for persistent fathers who will not stop knocking and say, Lord, I come again because of my mother. Lord, I'm coming again because of my son. Lord, please bring back my son. I'm applying the token upon his life. I'm applying the token upon his heart. Lord, I don't care what he's into. I'm claiming him back from drugs. And when you have faith like that, God is going to move from the throne. But if you just say, Lord, I commit my son into your hands, That's fine. Sometimes it works, but sometimes you have to be persistent. The prophet says, the law of the land is to enforce. In the message, the restoration of the bright tree, it's it's by the land for the land. But the law of the spirit of God is to force Satan to give up that which he has unrightfully, deceitfully taken from God. You know, one time the prophet was praying for the blind man, and I was listening to the tape. And he prayed for about an hour. Because you know what? Some of the spirits were very stubborn. They wouldn't go after five minutes. Some wouldn't go after. Sometimes you have to pray until something happens. And he says, you know what? I'm sorry for blasting your ears. I was dealing with a stubborn spirit. Sometimes it requires for you to have stubborn faith to deal with a stubborn spirit. Sometimes it calls for you to go for one hour to whatever it takes for God to come and move. It's not mentioned, but you can hear the many... On the prayer line, Brother Bram says, bow your heads. You can go for one hour praying for one person until they scream out. He say, I can see. Though he had seen a vision, still here to pray for the devil to move. And here in the message, the rest of the bride, the prophet says, the law of the land is to enforce. If someone is in your property that you purchase, it's a private property, you have to call the police. And the police... They will talk to that person nicely. Hey, can you move? And he doesn't move. What what do they do? They will take him by force and then throw him away from your property. And the prophet says, we have to force Satan to give up. Now, Satan is is very cunning. He's not just going to willy-nilly give up. Say, you know what? I'm just going to let you have this. You have to fight for your rights. You have to fight for every promise. You have to fight for your land like Joshua and Caleb. You have to take your sword and you say, you know what? I'm going to stand for my family. I'm going to stand for my marriage. I'm going to stand for my children. I'm going to stand for my job. I'm going to stand for my work. You have to do it by force. It's not going to be handed down to you. You have to take the sword. In the days of Moses, they were spoiled. Because they were in the wilderness. If they wanted manna, Moses, we want bread. And then manna raised down. Moses, we want meat. Oh, Moses, we want water. But in the days of Joshua, there was nothing like that. As soon as they crossed over, the manna ceased. The, the quails ceased. Everything ceased. Every person had to take a sword and to fight for himself to get his land. And in the days of... That's why God took his prophet... Because we will all be in Jefferson view. you. Oh, Brother Branham, what about my dad? Oh, Brother Branham, but you see, the prophet is no longer there. You will have to fight your battles. She will have to take your sword. She will have to fight the giants in the land. You have to kill the Hittites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and take your possession. And the Holy Ghost promises are your possession. Every promise in the book is yours. But it's not just handed out to you easily. Like what ministers do, oh, receive this, receive, that's fine. But you know what? You have to fight your way to it. The prophet says that's the enforcement. Restore it back to its natural condition. A man is sick, baby is sick, woman is sick. See, they are out of their natural condition. Then we have a right to enforce our claim. Not our claim. It's our claim because God gave it to us. Healing was paid for. It's a claim. Have you ever seen when people get a fraudulent charge on their credit card? They will call for five hours. They are claiming $50 on their credit card. I got this charge. I did not purchase anything. Please take it. Why? Because it's your claim. That's your card. Right? You have a right to enforce, uh, to, 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 to enforce them to take away any charge that you did not purchase. Because that's your card. And if if you have something that Christ paid for you, and someone takes it away from you, you know what? You have to enforce your claims and say, this is my property. This is my yard. This is the boundary. Satan, move away. Satan, move away. This is my place. You apply the blood. You apply the token. But you know what? We do it in the natural, but we don't do it in the spiritual. The prophet says, on the trip back, the boy had lost his horses. You know, the prophet, I'm going to wind down now. Um, I'll close in the next five minutes. So the prophet was, <laughs> he was hunting with Bud, and then there was an Indian community, you know, where the Lord had been moving. So there was a gentleman. His name was Oscar. So he had lost his horses some few months back. So the prophet says, the boy lost his horses months. I want you to see this. Months. Before that, they couldn't find them, and the guide was bawling him out. He said, Oscar, you should have known better to leave them horses like that. The bears, a lot of grizzles, would eat them horses up this time. And he kept standing close to me, and he said one night, he said to me, hey, can I ask you something? I said, yes. He said, Brother Branham, pray God, God give me my ponies. I said, but the bear eat them up. You see? Because it had been months, he was sure that he was not going to get his horses, his ponies. He said, brother, brother, ask God. God give Oscar his ponies. You know, he, he didn't have good English. He was you know, from the Indian. So he said, God give Oscar his ponies back. I said, you believe that Oscar? He said, I believe God make my mother well. Because his mother had been healed. Yeah. So he says, if God healed my mother, I am sure that he can bring me my ponies. And you know what? Never limit God. You know, on the prayer line, Brother Bram never t- told people what to ask for. Someone would, would come with seven prayer requests. And the prophet would say, you're also praying for your, for your husband. You're also praying for your daughter. You're also praying for... There was no limit. There was no time. There was no time. When Brother Abraham says, you're asking too much. Because even Jesus Christ, he would say, what would you want me to do for you?" And someone would say, I want to see." But there, it was an open question. What would you want me to do for you? You, you could have said, I want to see. <laughs> I want to pick up truck. <laughs> I want a house. I want, you know, I, want, I want this. You could ask anything from the Lord. So he said, I want my, my horses. And I know some of you might have lost some things. Maybe not your horses, but there are things that you lost. Maybe you lost the joy of your salvation, maybe you lost fellowship. Maybe you lost something. Here, the, the prophet says, a year ago, and he said, a year ago while I was standing back there with Fred the Softman, who is here tonight, Billy Paul, my son, the Holy Spirit came down. I said, Oscar, you will find your ponies. They'll be standing in snow. They lay the letter he wrote me last week. I got it Friday. Come in here. It's laying right in there in the fire now. Brother Branham, Oscar, find ponies standing in snow. After months and months and months, he found his horses standing in snow. In the last place you could find horses standing would be in snow. They would be moving because it's cold. But you know what? God can do it. God can restore. If the musicians would come. Now, this is the bride tree. In the bride tree, the prophet says there were four creatures that went out. There was the palmer worm. Now, the palmar worm, they eat the fruit. Now, the fruit representing the fruits of the spirit and the locusts, they eat the leaves, which represents fellowship. And the cankerworm, they eat the bark, which represents doctrine. Because remember, the prophet says, with, you can never have a ministry unless you have a doctrine. You can never have a church unless you have a doctrine. And the caterpillar, it ate the pulp, the life. But God says, I will restore, says the Lord. I will restore all the years that the locusts and the palmerworm have eaten. And this is a picture of the bright tree. But you know what? This is a picture of some homes. Maybe the fruits have been eaten. Maybe the fellowship has been eaten up. There's no more fellowship in the home. Maybe the bark has been eaten. There's no more doctrine in the home. Everyone just does whatever they want. Maybe the pulp has been eaten. There's no more life in the home. God can restore. Amen. Amen. God can restore, Are you, do you want to be restored tonight? Yes. And we've got to get that season where it's not raining and pouring down rain and those poor people sit out there, I've seen women sit out there with their hair just uh, stringing down fine dressed people. And the prophet says, you know what? God honors faith like that. You've got to do something for God to honor. You see, you show him, the people that's got everything handed down to them so easy, they don't usually do nothing for it, you see? You got the gift for free, that is true, but you've got to, it seems like what you know they say, if you are born with a silver spoon, you've heard that, you don't appreciate it. But when you have to work for it, you appreciate the valuation for it. We have to fight for every right that God promises, for every promise that God gave us. Do you need fellowship in your life? Did you lose something God can restore? Did, did you lose your spiritual joy? Did you lose the joy of coming to church? Is there something that you say, Lord, if I could have this back? Whatever it is, God can restore. Did you lose your prayer life? God can restore your prayer life. Did you lose just your, 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 your tenderness, and right atmosphere? If you have lost that, God can restore that back to you. If we can stand upon our feet, If you have lost something like me this night, I'm raising my hand. You can show by raising your hand as we, as we pray. You can play softly. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight, Lord. Father, we know that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. We stand like Caleb, Lord, raising our hands to you. And we say that we are more than able to take the land and to possess it. Though there are giants in the land, Though there are challenges in this hour, Father, we are more than able. Because, not because of our ability, but because you promised it. Because you said, I will be with you. Lord, there are hands that have been raised tonight. Some have lost joy in their life. Some have lost fellowship in their homes. Some have lost the joy of salvation. Some have lost their healing. Some have lost their loved ones. Some have lost their children to the world. Father, you said, I will restore. You restored the car of Brother Evans. You restored the horses of Oscar. You restored, Lord God, the many things that we read about that we see in our, in our life today. Lord, may you restore to each and everyone that is raising their hand. Some have lost their first love, Lord. Some have lost. Was the love that they had, oh God, in their homes, in their marriages... Father, the canker worms have eaten, the caterpillar have teared off the bark. Some have lost sight of the boundaries of the word of God and they've lost the doctrine in the home. Father, we are praying for a restoration, oh God. Father, some have lost the fire of the spirit. Some have lost the life of the anointing, Lord, that burns within inside. We are asking, Father, that you may restore again unto us. May you restore us, oh God. Father, we are raising our hands to you for each time each day, we want to be closer and closer to you. As we see the days approaching, Father, we want to be closer and closer to you. May you take away every obstacle, Lord, whatever it takes, oh God, if we have to run, if we have to crawl, we want to get to you, Jesus. We want to be with you, Jesus. We want to become like you. We want to believe you. We want to trust you. We want to walk with you, beside you. We want you to live in our hearts, to reflect you, oh God, to Show for the fruits unto the world. We thank you tonight, Lord. We believe, we accept that, Father, when we go back, we are not the same again. Lord, for we know that you said in your word, he whom the son of man has set free, he is free indeed. Break the chains, oh God. Break the coldness, break the formality, oh God. Break the reasoning, break the psychology, break the knowledge, oh, make us humble, Lord. Make us like little children, for you said, unless we are converted like little children, we cannot see the kingdom of heaven bless us tonight oh god give us a fire a living fire, not something fake, not something put on, but something real that we can take home with us, that we can show the world that can be seen Father, that Jesus Christ is alive today. We thank you Father because you are holy and Lord you give to whosoever who ask. We want to take this opportunity Lord, to pray for your children that are sick, some that are not here tonight, some that are streaming, some that are raising their hands Lord in the ether waves. Will you bless them, visit them in their homes Lord we ask that you bless the pastor be with him Lord as if God finishes his time Lord up in Newfoundland until you bring him back to us, we just commit him into your hands, bless our little church keep us in harmony, keep us in love to love one another above everything we ask these things in Jesus Christ's name we pray Amen God bless you friends, we will see you on Sunday
0: there is none like you and no one else can touch my heart like you do I could search for all eternity Lord and find there is none like you there is none like you no one else can touch my heart like you do I could search for all eternity Lord and find there is none like you there is none like you no one else can touch my heart like you do and i could search for all eternity